Welcome to the Human CEO Book Club, where we dive deep into the pages of remarkable books that empower and shape leaders around the world. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today we have a great episode lined up for you. In this episode, we're pleased to feature an interesting and timely book, Soft Skills Delivering Hard Numbers by Steve Farmer. As aspiring all seasoned CEOs and business leaders, we know that success isn't just about crunching numbers and analyzing data. It's about mastering the art of connecting with people, building relationships, and honing those invaluable soft skills that make all the difference in the fast-paced world of business. In his book, Soft Skills Delivering Hard Numbers, managing director and leadership expert Steve Farmer explores how the most effective leaders combine their technical expertise with emotional intelligence, communications prowess, and empathy to drive tangible results. Together, we'll uncover the secrets of Steve's approach, learning how to navigate complex interpersonal dynamics, inspire teams, negotiate win-win solutions, and create a workplace culture that thrives on collaboration and innovation. We'll discuss case studies, practical tips, and share personal stories that illuminate the power of soft skills in transforming businesses and lives. So without further ado, let's start the exploration of soft skills, delivering hard numbers with Steve Farmer. So thanks for joining us again, Steve. It's great to have you with us. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because I really enjoyed the book. So what I want to do today is talk about your book, so Soft Skills Delivering Hard Numbers, which yeah. you wrote fairly recently. Was it last year? Yes, it was originally supposed to be finished in 2020, but I finally, obviously something called a pandemic came along and gave me a, <laughs> gave me a final chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. And so, <laughs> yeah, well, give us an overview then. Can you give us a bit of an overview of what's in there? Because the, obviously the title gives us a clue, but tell us from your perspective what it's about, please. Yeah, so I really, I've done a book in 2018, which was a little bit more a kind of, it was all about uh, management models and, um, you know, probably lots of numbers and graphs and bits and pieces in like that. So, uh, and, and then I'm, I'm thinking, right, I've ticked, I've ticked the box. I wanted to write a book that was on the bucket list. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I was left with a kind of a, a sense of unease that there was some unfinished business and everybody's got one book in them and not many people have got two books in them. So I thought, oh, I'll, 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 I'll give it a go. So this second book really, um, and I, you know, I apologise for mentioning profit, I think maybe once or twice within the book, but really it was all about that, that softer side because mm -hmm. what I've seen um, in, in some uh, parts of my career is that the people that are always concentrating on the numbers all of the time, kind of paradoxically, you don't achieve the numbers. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. but you've, you've got to go through the whole uh, people side of things and then uh, yeah. treating people correctly, the natural congruent outflow of that is yeah. the right kind of numbers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People are blinded and focused on the numbers as results and they forget the yeah. important thing, which is people. So, you know, soft skills delivering hard numbers, it's, it's really... A series of chapters around, you know, uh, persuasion, appreciation, um, IQ versus EQ, looking at essentially, you know, what it says on the tin, the softer side of leadership to get. Uh, and and I also uh, talk about not to get the best out of people, to get people to be them best selves, because yeah. it's only semantics, but it, I don't want people to feel manipulated, you know, yeah. Yeah. about if if people are their best selves, they're going to do their best work. That's yeah. that's that's the book in a nutshell. <laughs> definitely, definitely, it's about empowering people, isn't it? And it's interesting on the podcast when I speak to um, the CEOs, I always ask the question: if there was a blooper reel of your leadership career, what what would be on it? And typically, it is that early part of their career where they first get into management and think they've got to drive it. And it's like you say, it's all yes. about the numbers. And they yeah. learn that lesson. Nearly all of them have sort of said that there's been a lesson to learn around the people side of things. 
Yeah, and I think, um, and it does get better with age. I think emotional intelligence, you know, you can actually score better with age and, and that maturity. But, and that's part of the transition, I think, you know. So I talk about, you know, the transition from, you know, the difference between management and leadership. And I think yeah. it's the kind of maturity. And of course, you get all of these life lessons, don't you, where you can handle a situation clumsily yeah. and think, actually reflect on it. I'm not going to do that again. We don't, we don't get the results that we want because we're, we're not dealing with machines, we're dealing with people. Yeah, yeah. For now. For now, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> <book> number three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on that note, I think it's really important to make that distinction. So I, I, I have a belief that leadership was used to be the softer side and management was the numbers and managing the metrics and things. But I think now more than ever, the management side of things needs to become much softer in terms oh. of the skills. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think people's expectations are what they want from their from their working working life and working environment. I, yeah. I genuinely think that people just won't put up with that kind of autocratic, just get the job done. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know and and uh, there are still people like that about, and I make reference to that within the book. But I think mm -hmm. they're within the minority. You know, so good management is about being well-rounded, holistic, and thinking about whole people. Um, yeah. as opposed to just cogs in a machine. Yeah. And leadership of the future, obviously we can see a trend that it's going that way, but are there skills that leaders will need in the future that maybe they don't have now, or is it about developing what they have now? Yeah, I think it's pretty much about adaptability, isn't it? It's learning how to learn going forward, because yeah. I'll be the first to say it, we're X number of minutes in, I'll mention artificial intelligence. But that is going to be the next revolution, isn't it? In terms yeah. of, you know, not a lot of what we have, what we would call knowledge workers now. There's going to be an awful lot of disruption in that space. So, mm -hmm. I, th I think though, you know, it's it's all around, um, you know, nothing fails like past success. So, trying to put a leadership blueprint on something in 2025 yeah. might not work. So, I think it's about being flexible and that adaptability. Yeah. Uh, you know that lifelong learning and that that developing because we we need to make room for the machines yeah, yeah. <laughs> and things are changing so quickly you've got to be adaptable haven't you you can't yes. just stay fixed these days no but um but i also think in terms of the way skills are changing i think there's going to be when you talk about someone that's highly skilled at the moment often i think please correct me if i'm wrong but often i think we're talking about engineers or architects or people that have studied a skill for a long time Whereas yeah. I think there's a transition happening now where you're going to talk about highly skilled people and it'll be the softer skills because yes. the, the hard skills maybe will will be taken away by the machines. Exactly. That will be the last bastion of, of what it is to be human, won't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to be dealing with much superior intelligence, um, but that, to a certain extent, is still codified by an algorithm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of like that whole thing about intelligent life, but... You know, to be human is much more than just being intelligent. It's about yeah. empathy and all of that stuff. So, yeah. yeah so the, yeah, I, I think it's um, uh, interesting, interesting times, interesting times. Yeah. Fascinating. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's. Sorry, I crossed over there. Sorry, what did you say? I'm scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I think I, I err on the side of excited rather than yeah. fearful. But it's still there. It's it's yeah. definitely still there. But it's that that difference between knowledge and wisdom, isn't it? We say knowledge is knowing that it's smart as a fruit and knowing not to put it in the fruit <laughs> salad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But they'll get there. I think the algorithms will definitely get there. But I think for now it's definitely 
the, the softer skills are the things that need building up in management and in leadership. It is, yeah. yeah. And and so in terms of the book, what kind of what audience did you write it for? Was it for everybody I, and anyone or to a certain extent, because I was I was kind of writing it to my younger self, you know. Oh. So, you know, I talk I talk in the book about, you know, the first time there's a great book out at the minute, um, surrounded by idiots and, mm -hmm. and and actually it's a great title but on the first page of the book they actually say well we're not surrounded by idiots we just we're just on a slightly different wavelength in terms of yeah. how we think and you know relatively early on in my career when i first came across things like myers-briggs and, mm -hmm. and and actually there's no right or wrong and everything's got different strengths and weaknesses that was yeah. a real revelation you yeah. know, when I was when I was in my early twenties, any anyone that didn't see anything from my point of view, I'm thinking, well, you know, what's this person smoking kind of thing? Where are <laughs> you know, so I, it's kind of a book to my younger self. If I'd have picked, I'd like to think that if I'd have picked that my book up in my early twenties, yeah. it would have shortcut a lot of the stuff that I ultimately had to find out empirically on the job. Yeah. <laughs> what a great reason to write a book, though. <laughs> it's like a really great rationale, a really great rationale. Yeah. And and so in terms of the, the key concepts in there, I like the, the you talk about IQ versus EQ and you referenced it earlier. Can you elaborate yeah. a little bit on, on that for us? Yeah, so probably a lot of people have heard about IQ and people's average IQ is 100 and Einstein's was 150. And yeah. until probably about 20, 30 years ago, the dogma was that the higher their IQ, these are going to be the captains of industry and they're going to be the leaders and this and that, the other. Yeah. And then circa 1990, Daniel Coleman bought a great book out, Emotional Intelligence, and we're talking yeah. about this kind of emotional quotient, which can be measured. And uh, effectively, emotional intelligence is a much greater predictor of how well someone's going to do within their career. You mm -hmm. know, we've always, you, you, there is the smart jerk, you know, okay, yeah. of a rocket scientist, but nobody can get on with them kind of thing. Yeah. Not necessarily going to be a leader. So it's that balance between, it's analogous to height in basketball is IQ. Once you're tall enough, so once you've got, and IQ at a certain level. There's yeah. these other things that come into play, you know, the, mm -hmm. the impulse control, self-control, and intrapersonal skills, interpersonal skills. Yeah. So just really drawing attention to um, the EQ is a greater predictor of how somebody's going to succeed um, as a leader uh, than IQ. And there's lots and lots of uh, studies to support that now. So, you know, for people that are coming across that as a concept for the first time, it's great because they can go and get themselves an emotional intelligence test. Yeah. The good news is it can be developed and it can be worked on. So I had one recently and I've got some work to do. And what is that work? Then? Not for you personally, obviously, unless you do want to share, but what yeah. is that work? How do you develop EQ? Is there a... yes. So I, I'm, it's, it's got, it's, it's like anything else really, because a lot of it is in behaviours. So I've, you know, confession point here, I've got very, very low empathy, um, which um, probably, I don't know whether it's a factor of the fact that I've spent X number of years in construction and it's a little bit tough guy macho and that might have been the, uh, you know, the kind of like the leadership style and, and all the rest of it. I genuinely think that I have got empathy, but I suppose when you're at work, you put the game face on and, and things like that. So, you know, I got these results recently and I'm, yeah, you, you do a lot of self-reflection and it's about, mm -hmm. well, checking in with people and, and, and you know, rather than everything was just 
strictly business. So yeah. I, part of my kind of self-development plan now is to, because I am genuinely interested in people. I do mm -hmm. like people, but I just yeah. need to remember, you know, at the top, at the top of things like the teams meetings and things yeah. like that, just check in with them, ask about the holidays and bits and pieces <laughs> like that, you know, because that's the kind of guy I am. But, you know, sometimes it's just the strictly business gets into the way of things. So, and of course, it's, it's the impact oh. on other people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've just come back off the holidays. It's the first meeting I've had back with him. He's not asked me how it was, where we'd been. Was he, you know, it's just that. And I, I, it's, you know, I'm being absolutely honest, that is a development area for me, yeah. you know. But that's fascinating to me that you, because I, I would say you're empathetic, like we always have really great conversations. Yeah. But it's, it's when you say that game phase and you get into work. And so that's another distinction to be aware of. Yeah. You're kind of playing a role. You yeah. Can't. Feel like i'm playing a role that you know we've got a relatively tight agenda it's it's down to business and this that, yeah. the other. so uh, but for anyone watching i am a really nice guy <laughs> <laughs> we all know that steve we all know that. <laughs> it is interesting to think about the difference between your like you having that self-awareness that you sometimes can lack empathy at work yeah. but being an empathetic person outside of work that's yeah. yet another layer for people for leaders to think about i might well probably say i'm not all that empathetic <laughs> outside of work but we'll leave it there we'll ask you later <laughs> <laughs> and so in terms of the other key themes that you want to get across because I, I think it's a great book and it's it's important that it's written now but can you share with us some of the other key themes that you want to share with with the audience yeah so um well, there's a couple of things in the beginning of the book and anyone that's watched the news in the last 24, 48 hours will will uh, attest to this. I'd, I make a reference to, you know, when you study the leadership, management and leadership literature over the last 200 years or so, up until probably 1950s, 1960s, it was all about, uh, it was all about character, okay. leadership character. And now it seems to be all about personalities. So yeah. when you look in the political realm, both sides of the Atlantic now, it's all about people that are into the sound bites and, mm -hmm. you know, they're not setting very good examples. You know, if you think about the, you know, our uh, previous prime minister has just been, you know, hauled over the coals for effectively misleading the House of Commons. And you think, mm -hmm. where have we got to? You know, that should be the premier leader, leader within this country. So, yeah. you know, the key, the key thing is really it's all about um, integrity and character. So yes. some of the some of the tools, some of the things I talk about in terms of emotional intelligence and reflection and dealing with people so that they can be them best selves. For me, that is quintessentially about leadership. It's not about abusing your position. Yeah. Um, some high-profile cases in the news recently about. No harassment and bullying, very senior people that would be considered the captains of industry about mm -hmm. allegations against them about poor behaviour. So there is a need for, um, you know, a, a book like mine. And that was yeah. part of the things that I, I thought, well, actually, it's about steering. It's all about that kind of in, in, integrity piece. It's yeah. all about integrity piece. Do you know what's interesting as well? When I so the podcast is obviously all about leadership. I speak to leaders all the time. I would never have considered looking at politics for the leaders that I want to recognise yeah. and learn from. I would never, yeah. might be wrongly, but I would never have gone to politics. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. 
And of course, it plays itself out because they're they're in the media, and to a certain extent, you know, the politicians have always had a relatively tarnished um, reputation. But you know that that happens in in the business side of things as well. You know, we it's it's regrettable, but we talk about rock star CEOs, and there's some mm-hmm. CEOs that are right out there. You know, Michael O'Leary for Ryanair is is yeah. famously poor at. Um, the whole customer service and, and why he's ultimately, you know, he's ultimately in it for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jack Welsh from the 1980s, where it was, you know, um, rank and yank and all of that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. but these are kind of um, long since discredited um, uh, leadership styles. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still people out there that think it's about style over substance. So I would yeah. The book is about leadership substance, essentially. Yes, yeah. Like, and it opens with that quote from Eisenhower, which I'm going to be really careful not to misquote, but it's something like, you don't lead by hitting people over the head. That's, that's right. Not Eisenhower. Yeah, that's yeah. not leadership, yeah. that's abuse. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's how, that's how the book starts, and it's, it's the perfect way for it to start and lead into... Yeah, and also there's there's a little bit on the rat box experiments with B.F. Skinner, where obviously you'd never get away with that ethically now, but it's that positive reinforcement and positive uh, rewards for people yeah. that that actually gets the best out of people. Um, and you know, I think I make a point in the book that that's why they feed the dolphins fish at SeaWorld to get them to perform those wonderful tricks, yeah. not with baseball bats, because it's about looking for the things that. Uh, you can genuinely appreciate in the work that people do. Yeah. In that appreciation is like giving somebody in the desert a glass of water, and yet a lot of companies do that twice a year during a performance review. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. True. true. And then wonder about the impact. Wonder yeah. about the results. Yeah, you're right. I was speaking to quite a number of people. We've been doing quite a lot of cultural audits recently, and speaking to quite a number of employees, and they've said it's the little things. It's when yeah. you say thank you at the end of the week or when we get a, I don't know, get a breakfast on Friday or it's the little things that add up because it's those it little is. things that shows that they've really thought about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, it's, and it's about remembering because we're all dead, dead busy. But those are the, yeah. you know, it's about put yourself in somebody's shoes and say, well, how would they feel? You know, um, we ran an initiative recently because we did an employee opinion survey within the business and it was about that kind of appreciation so we had an initiative called feedback fives so you know we're all on teams and it's just a case of right you know concerted effort put some in the diary and it's i don't want it it's not forced and it's not tried because you can genuinely think of something yeah um, to give some positive feedback and just say, you know what, I just I didn't say it at the time, or I just wanted to let you know that, that was a fabulous piece. Just see people three yeah. inches taller, and it takes five minutes. Yeah, and, you know the effect of that and the positive effect. Um, it's, it was it was quite powerful, and that's something that we've got in now as part of our um, in, in, initiatives. Because of course we're all on uh, teams. We don't get those water cooler moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you just get these purple boxes of half an hour or three quarters of an hour in terms of meeting and, like I say, down to business and all the yeah, rest. Yeah. There's no quarterbacking outside of that where you can say, oh, yeah, just the other day, that report, that was great, isn't that? Yeah. So we're, we're consciously trying to introduce that. You need stuff like that, though, don't you? Since the pandemic, not you personally, but business needs that. Since the pandemic, and there's no that walk into the meeting room 
there's now that preamble before the meeting starts and there's a little bit i guess while people are joining but it's not as the opportunities don't exist as much as they used to yeah that's it we yeah. only do the preambles until everyone's there yeah 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 and then straight to business and straight to business and is that something that you do as a team steve or is that do you sort of do you feedback is it two-way or is it one way it's, it's, i've never had one come back the other way but I'm, <laughs> i live in hope but uh, I think people might feel a little bit low. Well, I'm just creeping kind of oh, yeah. thing. <laughs> but, but can it go internally? So is it can colleague, colleague to colleague as well as you give them yes. feedback? That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. And to, you know, and we, we'd said to, to actually get the initiative going, you know, think about how it made you feel and, and kind of pass it on. It's like a random act of kindness, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be something made up because people work really, really hard. There's always something. Yeah. Kind of to be grateful for yeah and i suppose it's seeing the example so it might be thanks for making me that cup of tea or it might be thanks for nailing that project it, it can be anywhere on exactly. that spectrum i suppose can't it exactly yeah brilliant and what impact is that having the people are they getting on board with it yeah i mean some find that easier than others because yeah. obviously you know it's um it's it's kind of strange isn't it when you just say i oh, just want a minute what do you want to what do you want to yeah. What do you want to mean? I just wanted to let you know, you know, it's, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just wanted to let you know. So yeah. it's, quite, it's quite uncomfortable to start yeah. off with. Um, but actually, you come off and you think, you never come off one of those kind of calls and think that was a waste of time. Because yeah. you can just see people all of a sudden, um, you know, they're going full HD uh, colour on the other side when they're yeah. on the end of it. So yeah. that's good. That's really good. And is there is there a way for people to do it offline as well if they're if they're not that person that wants to speak up in a Teams meeting? We, we've um, we've we've tried to get that down uh, through onto the uh, to, onto the site stuff. We've got no means of you know ultimately recording that, but yeah. the initiative was really born out of this kind of big Teams community that we've got now that mm -hmm. don't get because they're all working remotely those kind of opportunities for those corridor or, or water cooler conversations. So, yeah. you know, we're deliberately dropping them into the diary, which is, which is great. Yeah, brilliant. And if you were to rewrite the book now, not that I suggest that you should or you need to, but if you <laughs> would, would there be an would there be an additional chapter? Because I'm always really interested. HR is moving and people and leadership is moving so quickly now. Yeah. Would there be an extra chapter? And if so, what would it be on? Yeah, so we slightly touched upon it. So since I've, I've, I've read a lot of books in the last yeah. number of months on artificial intelligence, <laughs> some of them are quite scary. Uh, I think it's, is it Scared Smart or Smart Scared? Or, uh, yeah, I've not read it yet, but I saw it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the first half of that book, it's all doomsday and apocalypse, and then okay. it brings it back at the end, so okay. it's good. There is, a, there is a future for all of us. So I think it, if I was to do another chapter, it would be on um, this. I'm a big fan of lifelong learning anyway, but yeah. there are so many jobs that are ultimately going to be made redundant. Yeah. Uh, sorry yeah, for yeah, yeah. this, but I think artificial intelligence is so powerful that there are so many jobs that are going to be displaced through that. So we need to think about what the new economy is going to look like, and it'll be more about learning to learn. So yes. I think it would be a bit more of a look to the future. So this was really couched as, you know, leadership in, you know, post-pandemic leadership in the 2020s. Mm -hmm. But 
now the next 12, 18, 24, 36 months, I think we're going to see some um, seismic uh, changes in, in the in the marketplace in terms of what, what the world of work is going to look like as artificial intelligence starts to um, encroach on all of these previously um, innately human things like marketing, mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. I, I wonder what's going to happen to those roles that are almost like a... It's a terrible term, Stephen. I apologise for this, but it's like a repository role. So somewhere where you have to retain a lot of knowledge. Yeah. To a certain extent, some of those roles, if you took an HR advisor role, potentially, they yeah. have to understand the case history. They have to understand their employment law. They have to understand. But all of that could be captured now within within AI. So exactly. how do we prepare HR advisors or people that are going to become HR advisors to be a different type of HR advisor? Because that knowledge is going to be captured somewhere. You'll, you'll tap onto a keyboard and it'll be there. You don't need to know that anymore. Yeah, there'll be... And it, it's not about replacing the jobs altogether. It's about a whole host of bullet points that were previously on that yeah. advisor's job description yeah. around, you know, maybe keeping up with legislation and this and that and the other. And, you know, yeah. I think you get kind of like uh, HR law updates maybe once or twice. Yeah. All of that will be ultimately taken care of because, yeah. you know, it is a it's going to be a very, very powerful system. So if the legal professions, well, essentially, this is the legal profession, it's going exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, but the good news, I think, from a HR perspective, is that last mile between that advice repository yeah. and actually dealing with people is is something that I think um, I, th I think will, will will always have to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll just change the role. It will, won't it? It'll, but it'll yeah. make. It'll, I think it'll make space for that on the pun but for that human element and that will be more impactful i hope within yeah. organizations but it's going to impact hr advisors i think paralegals i mean it's look is it already passed the medical license oh, I'm not sure. something I'm like sure. that yeah well that's yeah i mean that's it from a medical perspective though i mean if you think about you know gps and, and, and people that are actually giving uh, prescriptions and things like that they're, they're only yeah. fallible human beings mm -hmm. and new drugs and things like that are changing all the time artificial yeah. intelligence will have the very latest you know globally connected best advice on on what to give yeah, yeah. how to treat things so yeah so that that would be that would be potentially the final chapter in the book i'd have to try yeah. and lighten the mood towards the last couple of pages yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's that, it's that last mile. That last mile is always going to be there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I think from a leadership perspective, I mean, now, I what well, maybe going off a bit off course here, but from a leadership perspective, I see that as sort of the true CEO role. Yes, you've got to have a handle on the P&L. Yes, obviously, you've got to do the strategic plan. But actually, it's it's mostly it's the soft skills, isn't it? It is, yeah. Do you see that that leadership role will change with AI? Or is it about managing people that are doing that final mile rather than... The roles that they were doing before. I, th I think I think inevitably it will have to change. The leadership role will have to change. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't done too much deep thinking into what that would ultimately look like. Mm. Um, but I, but of course, you know what what we're talking about is massive disruption. So certainly in the short term, mm -hmm. you know, there's the scenario the other side of when we've got AI. AI practically fully embedded and probably in the next four or five years we'll see what a disruption yeah. that's been. Yeah. But you know what that means in the short 
medium term for CEOs and leaders of businesses, we're all going to be doing transformational change programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. managing the impact of change as well. Yeah, so a lot of the job descriptions that we'll have in four or five years' time will be completely different. We won't recognise today's jobs, job descriptions yeah. for, you know, we early early 1970s we you know there was a lot of automation and you know a lot of kind of like logistics automation and it removed mm. the kind of like the manual jobs into knowledge yeah. workers and since the 1990s we've got service industry with knowledge workers but that's what ai is going to be attuned to doing so yeah, yeah. We're, we're all just going to have 30 to 40 hours a week of leisure time and we'll be <laughs> all paid a universal basic income and we can let the machines do everything for us. That's the good news. It's, it's definitely coming. Isn't there a study? Was there, did I see something they've gone out for funding for the UK to have that? There um, has, yeah. I don't know whether it's in Norway or Canada that they've already done universal basic income studies for whole communities where they give them a couple of thousand dollars, not means tested, a couple of thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And um, the... There's very strong evidence to suggest that it is absolutely the way to go. So uh, I'll sign up. I'll sign yeah. up. <laughs> as long as you can afford the books. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and what are the biggest challenges that you think the leaders are facing at the moment? So uh, increasingly, um, uh, mental health. Um, Lots of lots of issues with mental health, particularly in, in my industry in construction. I think it's um, I think it's the worst industry for suicides. Um, we're, okay. we're not good at talking, so there's an awful lot um, of concern currently on, on mental health. But um, and I touch upon this uh, within the book as well because mm -hmm. we, we talk about health and health and safety, and we talk about uh, well-being, um, but mental health. You know, the, the kind of the golden thread that runs through good health, really, is good sleep. Mm -hmm. and, uh, again, from my own experiences within construction, it was always the people that would work seven days a week and do all of the overtime that you would give them and do a night shift at a moment's notice or, or pull an all-nighter because we've got a, a, an important tender to get in. Mm -hmm. uh, those were the superstars. Those were the guys that everyone wanted on their site. And... and we're doing a lot of work now in terms of saying, look, it is not big and it is not clever. Mm. And sleeping is not not being awake. Sleep is incredibly uh, important. So there's quite a bit in the book about um, uh, resilience because, you know, when we talk about treating your people um, uh, like you would treat your customers, mm -hmm. um, when you're tired and you're agitated, you're not yeah. You're not going to be your best self. And we've all done it. Uh, and I think it was Aristotle said that, you know, it's about being angry with the right person at the right time for the right reason. That seldom okay. happens, especially mm -hmm. when we get tired and fatigued. So, yeah, I was, you know, I, again, you know, I said, I'd said that I wrote the book to my younger self. I've always been able to get by on little sleep. And, you know, I jokingly say I'd sleep and I'm dead. And yeah, all, yeah. all yeah. of that stuff, I think it was a... Roadhouse movie in the 1980s where I picked that line up from and I've been using it ever since. Um, but I read a book by, by uh, Matthew Walker, um, Why We Sleep. Why We Sleep, yeah. Yeah, life changer for me because I'm thinking it isn't big, it 
isn't clever. So the, the best legal performance-enhancing drug is sleep. So I really advocate, um, you know, when you've got a rush job on, when you've got a deadline, don't mm. set the alarm early, don't go to bed late, because actually make sure you carve out the time for the sleep and you'll be much more productive when you, when you do get up. And that, it, it took me while well, I was, I don't know, 51, 52 to learn that. Mm -hmm. So again, advice to younger self or anyone reading the book, it's all about the sleep. It's not about mm -hmm. Netflix. It's not about Instagram. It's not about Facebook because no. their business model is your, your attention, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I think the guy, the CEO of Netflix, whose name escapes me, he said that his biggest competitor was sleep. Yeah, and it's true. It's absolutely true. We're all up, you know, and it, it kind of, it's like infinite scrolling, isn't it? We finish one yeah. program and then it starts eight seconds later, you know, so yeah. you don't really have an opportunity to stop it. Think. <laughs> yeah. But also I think you've got, as a leader, you're dealing with your team feeling that pressure of always yes. on whether that's netflix or whether it's instagram doom scrolling or whatever they're doing but as a leader you've you've got to look at the impact that lack of sleep is having and if you're the hustling grind ceo yeah like, potentially that's the kind of culture that you're going to create yeah and and people just i'm going to put up, i don't think people are going to put up with that for too much longer they're, yeah we need to be and you know there are countless countless studies around that that whole work-life balance piece mm -hmm. being well rested people being significantly more productive you know what's mm -hmm. not like you know and it's yeah. uh, it's a it's a very unsophisticated approach in terms of drive the people drive the people drive the people yeah. you know henry ford and uh, frederick taylor in the early 1900s it was all about scientific management and it was what can we squeeze out of people yeah. Those kind of theories are 100 years old now. What mm -hmm. we need to do is ensure that people are their best selves. And that means they need to be well rested. They need yeah. to feel like that they're not letting other things in their life go because they're always at work. And yeah. that's how we get the best, sorry, how uh, people can be their best selves as opposed yes. to get the best out of people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be times when you've got to sprint, but you can't sprint forever. I guess it's that's really, right yeah, yeah and it's about that that give and take that's absolutely it it's about give and take and it's great and i think since uh we've been hybrid working you know people have got childcare arrangements yeah we get to know when they're going to pick the kids up from school and and all the rest of it and you think that's that's great and what a what a kind of great great kind of engagement and retention thing because i'm thinking these people now are enjoying the benefits of that work-life balance and that mm -hmm. work-life integration it sometimes yeah. feels like it um mm -hmm. but i think it's such a great proposition and you've only to look at the job boards where you know recruiters are having to say whether it's hybrid or on-site and i think yeah. they're just going to say well I, I i want that kind of flexibility yeah absolutely absolutely just going back to what you said about some of those leadership theories being over 100 years old you make a really interesting distinction. I think it was the first time I, I even thought about it when I read the book, Steve, but you talked about um, sort of how the brain's not yet evolved, sort of new new yes. software, old hardware. And yeah. so the world, society's almost evolved quicker than the human brain has. Absolutely. And that can cause some challenges. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is fascinating. I think we all yeah. know it implicitly anyway, but, you know, We've been round about the same in terms of our uh, physiology for about 40,000 years. So yeah. 
modern Homo sapiens, about 40,000 years. Wind the clock forward to 1800 and the start of the Industrial Revolution. That is yeah. effectively a blink of an eye at the end of those 40,000 years. Yeah. So we've gone from being hunter-gatherers with fight and flight responses where it's about saber-toothed tigers and we used to spend most of our day trying to find food or trying not to be food. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Then, now we're in the modern office and we've still got this thing called the amygdala, which is, they call it the reptilian part of the brain, mm -hmm. which is, it's effectively prehistoric and it's looking for threats. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really distinguish a threat between a, a kind of curse, curse email <laughs> or the printer not working or yeah. a saber-toothed tiger kind of thing. These are all things that give us this cortisol spike. And there's some fascinating, if you, if you go onto YouTube, uh, even though I've just been advocating against it, but when you see people lose it in the office because the printer's not working, yeah. that's called an amygdala hijack. So what we've got mm -hmm. to do is, and there's this whole thing about we've got to run 21st century software on 40,000-year-old hardware. Mm -hmm. And these are the constant challenges, you know, because we are designed at some at, at times to act out. Mm -hmm. And acting out, you're going to lose the dressing room. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you're at work, so you need to be guarding against acting out all of the time. But, yeah, absolutely fascinating. But also within the book, while saying that it's pretty much the same hardware, there is studies show now uh, brain plasticity. Yes. So fascinating study of fascinating. London cab drivers where they have to learn the knowledge. Yeah. Um, I think it's the hippocampus or uh, I think it's the hippocampus. And that under fMRI has actually been shown to actually grow bigger. So your brain is like a muscle. If we're yeah. using certain parts of the brain, they actually get stronger, stronger connections in terms of the synapses and the um, dendrite connections. And they've actually shown that, yeah, London cab drivers have got enlarged parts of their hippocampus because they've got to keep all of this spatial knowledge in the brain. Yeah. It's That's fascinating. The, absolutely fascinating. But, but broadly, it is the same hardware. Yeah. <laughs> but it comes back to what you said earlier about learning to learn. That's the future, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because of neuroplasticity and because you can change your wiring yes. and, and all of that. So it does come back to learning, learning to learn. Well, I, I, congratulations on the book, Steve, because I think it's brilliant. And I think there's a Thank lot you. of themes in there that need to be discussed now. So I hope the people are listening. It's been a really good introduction for them. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, the book's available at all global electronic book retailers called Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We'll put the link underneath. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to find out more about building a great workplace culture and to understand how effective your organisational culture is, click the link in the show notes or go to culturescore.recruithuman.co.uk.